You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Diaspora Blues acknowledges this program is produced and presented on the sovereign lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We acknowledge elders past, present and becoming, as well as the owners of the land you are hearing us from. Sovereignty has never been ceded, always was, always will be Aboriginal land. So, here you are, too foreign for home, too foreign for here, never enough for both. Ijuoma Umebinyo, Diaspora Blues. What makes you smile and adds a spring to your step? What does it mean to belong? And how do we build a home away from home? Diaspora Blues is a show that contemplates what is and what could be. Join Busto and Bigwa every Monday at 2.30 on 3CR Community Radio. Produced by Jan. Love, 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 love that promo. So you're listening to Diaspora Blues on 3CR Community Radio. My name's Ayan. My co-host, Big Wachol, is not here at the moment. As you know, she's overseas, but she'll be back very, very soon. So I hope you had an amazing, amazing week. I know I did. Uh, I went clubbing. Not clubbing. <laughs> not really, but I went dancing with some friends. Shout out to Anya and Lauren. So um, we have a really special guest um, even though I say that every week, he really is very special. Um, before we get Jim on the show, I want to play a song that I feel like really, really captures the mood and also sets a tone of today's show. Um, we hope you enjoy this track. In the morning and I ask myself It's like worth living, should I blast myself? I'm tired of being poor and even worse, I'm black My stomach hurts, so I'm looking for a purse to snatch Cops give a damn about a Negro Pull a trigger, kill a nigga, he's a hero Get it back to the kids, who the hell cares? One less hungry mouth on the welfare First ship him, don't let him deal with brothers Give him guns, step back, watch him kill each other It's time to fight back, that's what Huey said Two shots in the dark, now Huey's dead I got love for my brothers, but we can never go nowhere Unless we share with each other we gotta start making changes Learn to see me as a brother instead of two distant strangers And that's how it's supposed to be I can the devil take a brother if he's close to me uh. I let it go back to when we played as kids But then it changed And that's the way it is Come on, come on That's just the way it is Things will never be the same That's just the way it is Oh yeah Changes. All I see is racist faces Misplaced hate makes disgrace to racist We under, I wonder what it takes to make this One better place, let's erase the wasted 
Take the evil out the people, they'll be acting right. Cause both black and white and smoke a crack tonight. And the only time we chill is when we kill each other. It takes kill skills to be real time to heal each other. And although it seems evident, we ain't ready to see a black president. Uh, it ain't a secret or concealed a fact. A penitentiary's packed and it's filled with blacks. But some things will never change. Try to show another way, but staying in the dope game. Now tell me what's a mother to do. Being real don't appeal to the brother in you. You gotta operate the easy way. I made a G today. But you made it in a sleazy way. Sell it back to the kids. I gotta get paid. Well, hey, well, that's the way it is. Come on. Come on. That's just the way it is. Things will never be the same. That's just the way it is. Oh, yeah. Oh, come on. That's just the way it is. We gotta make a change. It's time for us as a people to start making some changes. Let's change the way we eat, let's change the way we live, and let's change the way we treat each other. You see, the old way wasn't working, so it's on us to do what we gotta do to survive. And still I see no changes, can a brother get a little peace? It's war on the streets and a war in the Middle East. Instead of war on poverty, they got a war on drugs so the police can bother me. And I ain't never did a crime, I ain't have to do. But now I'm back with the facts, giving it back to you. Don't let them jack you up, back you up, crack you up, and pip smack you up. You gotta learn to hold your own, they get jealous when they see you with your mobile phone. But tell the cops I can't touch this, I don't trust this. When they try to rush, I bust this. That's the sound number two, you say it ain't cool. But it rains no fool And as long as I stay black I gotta stay strapped And I never get to lay back Cause I always gotta worry about the payback Some buck that I roughed up way back Coming back after all these years Right, tap, 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 tap That's the way it is uh. That's just the way it is Things will never be the same That's just the way it is That's just the way it is Things will never be the same That was Is The poet Rapper And self-proclaimed Thug um, His words, not mine uh, Tupac with his Timeless track Changes So on the phone um, We have Jim Mailer So I reached out to Jim uh, not too long ago and I was like, hey, I know you saw what happened on Capitol Hill and I have questions because how on earth did a group of rioters um, armed to the hilt enter and take over one of basically the center of America's democracy? And Jim said, yes, I'm down to answer that. And we have Jim on the phone. What? Welcome to Diaspora Blues, Jim. Yeah, thank you. I'm a big fan. Yeah. I'm glad you asked me to be on here. Um, <laughs> oh, well, I'm so glad. Yeah, I'm, I'm so glad you're on here because I see you a lot on Twitter. You've got a little cute Twitter moment happening, which we love. <laughs> yeah, it's good. I'm very glad. But, um, it helped me. Yeah, I'm posting my way into a job with the national broadcaster, basically. <laughs> you know what? Look, it's a good place to start. So, yeah. um, So last week... We saw something, 
unprecedented happen, and that is the riot on the Capitol Hill building. Can you tell us what happened? Yeah, sure. So essentially, um, in response to uh, the verification of the Electoral College votes in the Capitol building by, like, you know, the, the US government, I can't remember what chamber does it exactly, um, but in response to, like, you know, verifying the, the election win of Joe Biden, um, a mob of Trump supporters um, actually uh, sort of, like, didn't <laughs> so much break in as they were, like, allowed in by the police um, on Capitol Hill. Mm. But um, they sort of, like, you know, got up to the Capitol, smashed the windows and, like, sort of um, filtered around through the, the building, um, taking photos, you know, posing for photos. And, and in some cases it looks like, um, I'm not sure if this has been totally confirmed yet, but um, there's a, a bit of evidence pointing towards the fact that they may have been trying to uh, kidnap some uh, what's the word, uh, like some Democratic, um, you know, members of Congress or the Senate. Um, like one one woman uh, in particular that they would have been targeting would have been uh, Nancy Pelosi and also AOC, um, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Mm. Um, yeah, so, uh, and, and that's also been, you know, foreshadowed by the fact that um, like uh, some Republican, <laughs> oh, it was sort of like uh, it's helped be confirmed by the fact that some Republican, uh, you know, members of Congress and the Senate or whatever were um, uh, also giving tours to some of these fans uh, the day before. And of course, um, there's also uh, there's also some videos of um, Trump supporters in the days leading up to the verification of the Senate um, uh, of the uh, of the Electoral College votes that uh, where they're sort of saying we need to go inside the Capitol building and storm the Capitol. So um, yeah, all that sort of stuff sort of led to them getting inside and sort of smashing up the place in, in places stealing things and, uh, you know, posing for photos. Mm. Um, so, yeah, um, that's wild. sort of what happened. Yeah, yeah. and um, you sort of asked in the, uh, in the like, uh, in my intro, like, you know, why you think it happened, why I think it happened. And, mm. uh, like, it's because those people are white, right? Like, they, they if they had been Black Lives Matter protesters who, like, rightfully have a reason to, like, you know, distrust the government and, you know, want some action done on, um, you know, their, their issues, which is, like, not being murdered by cops, Um or, you know, just, like, you know, random picks with guns. Um, they pretty much, like, like you know, they would have been shot in the street before they even reached the building, but, like, these people were allowed in. And, and, that, and we know that that was the case as well, like, that they were allowed in because, mm. like, some of the people in the mob were actually police and retired army and the police weren't, um, you know, treating them as, uh, like, you know, like violent insurgents, but, like, uh, you know, sort of like, uh, like uh, disobedient children, really. Right. Right. And as you mentioned, the um, if this had been like black protesters or rioters, mm. they wouldn't have gotten as far as um, the white nationalists did, which is interesting because... Um, the, Maybe they would have, but people would have died. Oh, they <laughs> and, definitely I mean, would have been casualties, 100%. Yeah. I mean, like people did die, like, but they, they were, you know, like not... Um, I think one woman, one woman got shot by police potentially, but like, mm. I mean, like, you know, that's like the police would have shot, um, you know, anyone else, uh, you know, like uh, on the steps of the Capitol building, not when people were inside or anything like that. And also um, another thing as well is uh, like a police officer actually died um, and it's nowhere near the, um, you know, the sort of like a hisatronics uh, we've seen about like Black Lives Matter protesters burning in a cop shop or anything like that. So Yeah, anyway. and, and that's actually what people have been saying. They've been comparing it to the Black Lives Matter rally. Do you think that's like a fair comparison? Uh, look, uh, in, <laughs> insofar as like you want to be like, this is how police actually treat people that they see as a threat, then yes, I think it's a fair comparison. But not when uh, people like Michael McCormack, uh, is he still acting Prime Minister or is he uh, the Deputy PM I think anyway? eight t- the um, 19th is his last day, I think. 
okay, great. Yeah, sorry, I'm, I'm just a bit twitched <laughs> off. I'm on holidays. Please forgive me. But, um, like, you know, he was trying to make draw the comparison to delegitimize Black Lives Matter protests because um, e- even in spite of the fact that he and, um, uh, you know, his, uh, like, uh, you know, not party members because they're, you know, part of the coalition, but, you know, like everyone in government are refusing in Australia, are refusing to condemn the Capitol Hill riots. Mm. Maybe not everyone, but most or the the ones that matter are refusing to do so. Um, And, you know, because for whatever reason they see, uh, you know, that as legitimate or, you know, like, or they understand that it's illegitimate because they're trying to make Black Lives Matter seem more... Uh, more illegitimate by sort of drawing the comparison between the two, but they won't actually say that they think that the Capitol Hill riots were bad, which um, in my... Am I allowed to swear? I'll probably come. Sorry. No. Um, but, <laughs> but in my, um, in my like, you know, sort of, uh, like, uh, summation of it is it's just completely, like, it's bonkers because they, like, if you look at their actions, they're, like, by refusing to condemn this, they either want to, you know, make themselves seem like um, either to, like, Trump supporters in Australia, like, you know, we're on your side, mm. uh, to make uh, it seem like to Trump that we're on your side, or just to sort of indicate that, hey, we actually think that this is a, a fine thing to do if you want to hang on to government at all costs. So, yeah. Right. And um, in preparation for this interview, I was mm. uh, looking at uh, articles about big tech and so on, and one mm. um, platform that I keep reading about is Parler. Can you tell us what Parler is? Yeah, sure. So Parler was um, essentially, um, I'm not sure it's exact genesis, but um, it's uh, along the lines of like um, right-wing people were sick of being um, either deplatformed or, uh, you know, or uh, sort of like hounded off uh, platforms like Twitter and Facebook. Um, actually, Facebook seems like it's almost entirely ceded to the like <laughs> the racist boomers at this point. But anyway, um, and yeah, so they, they wanted to find it, like, make a place that was theirs and they wouldn't have to worry about being censored for saying Nazi stuff, right? Mm. So um, what's happened with Parler um, was that it was sort of identified as one of the places where these groups were organising. And because um, because of that, uh, the, the App Store on um, Apple and also Google uh, decided that they would no longer, um, you know, like, host the Apple, uh, sorry, the Parler app. Um, and also Amazon Web Services, who, um, if like, this is a very like baseline understanding of it, but like, you know, you need to your servers to host your your website, your app, or whatever, right? So like, because of that, um, they uh, Amazon was like, well, uh, we're not going to take your Nazi money and uh, like sort of like kick them off um, their servers. So for a little while it couldn't work, but I think it's back now. The website's back, but the apps aren't because they they require. I mean, you can put an app on without mm. the App Store. I shouldn't tell people that, but uh, you, uh, but like. It's sort of like a, a fairly significant drawbridge, particularly on Apple. I think on Apple, it's um, actually very hard to get a, an app on your your phone without a um, without the App Store. So mm. yeah, um, so it's like they've sort of effectively deplatformed Parler in response to um, you know sort of identifying uh, that it was used to um, incite the riot, but uh, they uh, you know it's too little, too late, in my opinion. Right. I, I heard you mention the word deplatforming. Can you tell us mm. what that means? Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, I don't have a very, uh, like, an academic understanding of it, but my um, understanding of it as a layperson is that it's a, uh, this sort of like a, what's the word, action you can take against, like, people whose views are, um, are harmful and necessarily, um, you know, um, and it, it should be uh, should be done when uh, they're definitely, like, going to be inciting violence. Um, yeah, so essentially you sort of, like, deny them access to a platform. So, uh, mm. you know, that could be, like... Um, uh, like say I was a regular host on um, your show, 
if you know I suddenly became a Nazi, you kicking me off your show would uh, be me being deplatformed. So uh, that also can apply to uh, Twitter and Facebook. Um, you know, they um, by like taking someone from that platform, they've been deplatformed. Yeah, and I guess pro-Trump supporters are saying that deplatforming Trump is like an infringement on their uh, freedom of speech and that it's a form of censorship. Uh, what do you say? Mm. Um, I think censorship really applies to, um, I mean, as far as like the, like, I mean, I'm not a, like a constitutional law expert, mm. <laughs> but as far as I understand it, the like the, the concept of censorship applies to government censorship in, um, in the US and it, it doesn't apply to private companies uh, choosing how, uh, you know, how their platforms are used. Um, and you sign up to a terms of service. I, like I think all this is ridiculous because like I don't think we should um, cede so much of our um, uh, our freedoms to corporations um, or governments necessarily. But um, you know, like the the thing is that uh, they like these these private companies are entitled and legally and are legally entitled to say no, you can't use our platform. Um, it's not what the First Amendment's about. Uh, it's not you know it's not it's got nothing to do with um you know legal rights that Americans have, but. Um, the real thing that they are—it's—it's it's just a—it's just something that they scream about to try to get some purchase, in my opinion. Like, it, um, and it should be ignored, really, because um, the—the real thing that they're mad about is they—they they don't have—they're uh, being told that they can't do their Nazi stuff out in the open anymore, mm. and they're also losing an effective tool that. Um, they're also losing an effective tool, which you know helps them organize and helps them plan things mm. that will, uh, like you know, like physical actions, which that will get them what they want. And uh, as far as I'm concerned, like uh, the, the argument is is moot, and we should uh, just recognize that it's um it's disingenuous and uh, attackable what it is, and not what it is that they say that they're doing, which is uh you know protecting free speech. And cause it's so easy to dunk on these people for being um, hypocrites, right? Because you're like, well, I guess this isn't free speech, is it? Like you know, like it's so easy to do that, but. Um, I, I think that's not really necessary because then you get bogged down in this um, this uh, this discourse, which is not really what it's um, what they're actually trying to do or say. Right. If we could go back uh, a bit earlier when you were talking about mm. Michael McCormack uh, and um, him kind of uh, comparing Black Lives Matter to what happened at the Capitol Hill, um, there were politicians who came out and were like, "No, what uh, Cormac is saying is like." Uh, inflammatory it's not like it's not true this is un-australian is it un-australian or and can you also see something like <laughs> what happened in the u.s happening yeah. here yeah um i would like i don't think um it's like australia seems to be a very like sort of slow moving political place like i don't think um i feel like if we were coming to like you know that sort of like um like uh open political violence, I think something probably would give before that, because, like, I mean, even here, um, Mr Neoliberalism, Scott Morrison, like, gave us Job Seeker before, like, you know, letting us all start, which, um, you know, must have killed him to do so, but, like, you know, he did it. Um, so I, I, I typically think that, um, you know, political violence is, is less likely um, in the same way that we're seeing it in the US. Um, but that is not to say that, like, it isn't who Australia is. Like, to say that it's un-Australian to be like, um, you know, black people's lives don't matter is like totally false because uh, it's the very basis of Australia. Mm. You know, we were we were born on uh, this country was born out of like dispossession and genocide. Um, you know, like the uh, absolute disregard for black bodies in this country and black lives. And uh, to say it's un-Australian is, is wrong. 
Um, it's against our, what, our stated values of multiculturalism and accepting everyone. But if you look past what people say and like how people have actually acted, um, it's it's hard to think that this country actually is accepting and does want to sort of be a uh, successful pluralist, uh, you know, like ethnically pluralist country because it's not really. <laughs> mm. um, you know, it's still uh, it's, we still have like black people, um, you know, black B L A K um, indigenous people being. Um, uh, you know, killed by police in, in disproportionate numbers. They're still incarcerated in disproportionate numbers. And, um, you know, all the, you know, closing the gap targets are not really closing. <laughs> so mm. um, it, it's it's hard to say that, like, that's not what Australia is because it is what Australia is. We are, like, we are a pretty racist country. Yeah. But, um, you know, it's just a, it's it's easy. You know, it's it's what they're really trying to say, I guess, is, like, it's not what Australia says it wants to be. Mm. And, um, you know, no, none of us want to be like that, um, except for, you know, obviously the racists benefit from it. But um, it's just a, yeah, I think it's a stupid thing to say, but, like, I understand where they're coming from. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And no one ever wants to see themselves as, like, a racist nation. I don't think anyone wakes up and goes, oh, you know, we're a racist country. Um, and no, I but think... then they, they go into parliament and they vote on, like, it's okay to be white. Yes. <laughs> In huge numbers as well, which is really, yeah. really on par for Australia. Um so you wrote this article that I was uh, having a read of in the junkie. It's called "The West Won't Let Go of Neoliberalism and White Supremacy, and It's Destroying Us." So, um, just like at the start of your article, uh, I just want to quote a line that you say that I feel like um, I'd love for you to expand on. So you say, "The insurrectionists didn't wake up on January six and simply decide to walk in the suit of power of the republic." Um, where does neoliberalism fit in what we saw last week? Oh, sure. Um, uh, it's a complicated question, but um, I'll try to be as succinct as possible. But um, is it complicated? I don't know. Anyway, um, like I think you can draw a very clear line from the like from the alienation and the uh, the sort of deteriorating or stagnating conditions of like you know the average person. In um, just like every country in the West and the their, the the racist sort of like backlash that we're seeing against minorities. Like uh, these, like, like over the past uh, fifty years, like governments have sort of like you know um, engaged on this uh, this uh, this project of sort of like you're saying like okay, so what we're going to do is we're going to like you know get get our hands out of all these services that like you know the governments used to provide and let private companies do it, um, and you know sort of in doing this like uh, like outcomes have not necessarily gone up apart from you know like the wealth of like shareholders and executives and all that sort of thing. So like we're sort of watching like. The, the class who like really rule us get better and better, but like we're stagnating, right? Like um, you know, for someone like me, um, my my uh, like material conditions have deteriorated because like I can't buy a house anymore. Like I can't choose where I want to live, and like you know, sort of have that security and financial uh, benefit that you get from owning a property. Um, so you know, that's like that's just one example. Like in America, like the the outsourcing of jobs, uh, you know, like in you know manufacturing and steelworking, like while that would have been uh, you know, okay to begin with, because like you know there were new job booms and like you know the financial sector and like like the services sector and all sorts of like you know middle management roles and that sort of mm. thing. Um, now, like because money is getting tighter and they like they continue like for the for the uh, what's the word for like uh, the corporations to continue to make a profit, they need to keep uh, cutting uh, somewhere, right? Yeah. Um, and where they are choosing to cut because they you know like 
their access to the environment can't get any more free apart from, you know, just cutting a little bit more red tape here and there. Uh, where they where they choose to, you know, cut uh, their their inputs is in wages or, you know, by just sort of freezing wages and, like, preventing them from rising. So then people can't, like, afford things like they used to be able to. It's getting harder and harder for people. And then in, in, in like, this sort of, like, economic anxiety that people now start to feel, they, um, they, they, they can't really... Um, they're sort of looking for, for some way to fix it, right? And governments, like, can't fix it because they've given up too much of their power to corporations and to, uh, to you know, ruling elites, like, around the world and, like, through globalisation and through this, like, you know, privatisation regime. Um, and so, instead, like, in recognising that they can't act easily or act in a way that won't upset the people who actually pay them, uh, governments are sort of saying, well, you know, we can't give you back your... Like, to give you back your economic, um, uh, you know, like... Uh, uh, security, like we're not going to, uh, you know, we uh, we're going to, you know, get your jobs back and everything. But to do that, we have to, you know, like turn against minorities. And like that's sort of where um, where neoliberal li- neoliberalism mm. comes into it is because, like, you know, you uh, like it's a it's created these conditions where people feel like they need somewhere to turn, and like uh, you know, governments are uh, sort of being like, well, we can't actually do anything about that because it's not actually, you know, it's not actually what we want to do. What we what we can do is just sort of point them in a direction that actually isn't going to make a difference, but, uh, you know, sort of like makes it seem like we're doing something so yeah. we can keep, so, keep at it for a little while. So basically marginalised communities have become the scapegoat. Yeah, yeah. And like we've known that for ages, but I think it's very, um, I think uh, what needs to be done is draw the link between the, like the economic conditions and also these actions. Um, and I, I think it's a very clear link between like the deterioration of like, um, I mean, like Australia's always been like pretty racist towards like, you know, just about anyone we, we can be. But uh, I think at this stage, like the, the, the way the government is acting and uh, sort of like, uh, you know, disproportionately spending money against uh, to, to, you know, sort of do these things when they say like money's tight. Hmm. Um, is because like it, it gives them a license to keep implementing their economic agenda because people trust them because they they feel like something's being done. Oh God, that is so depressing. Yeah. And and I yeah, guess sorry. <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, you're you're stating facts. You're not like you're not saying anything that we haven't heard. But you're saying it more succinctly. And I'm, I don't know. It's just really depressing. And but one thing that I want to um, sort of mention is that. Even though in the beginning when we first saw the riots, everyone was sort of like, oh, these are working class white people who feel disenfranchised and so on. But afterwards it came out that there were actually lawyers, you know, people who were very middle class um, who were involved. And and I think it's really important to point out because there's that thing where we sort of um, beat down on poor people and go oh you know they're miserable because they're poor or they're uneducated these are educated people these are people with means who were there yeah yeah for sure uh, yeah particularly um there was a, a district judge from is it a district or a supreme court judge from new york that was in there he was the dude with the police shield and dressed like um dressed like the qanon shaman, oh. shaman um and he was a, he was a judge you know like um, I, I think it's uh, like it is very important, and I was sort of you know talking about steel workers and things, but I just want to sort of like make sure that uh, people are aware that middle class people like uh, can feel this like um, income anxiety as well. I think my income would make me middle class, but I am still not within reach of owning a property unless my parents die. You know, like I get like you know their inheritance, my inheritance right. from them, right? Like that's the only way that I in the next like you know, 10 years, I'm probably going to be able to afford a property in the place I want to be in, right? So, like, middle-class people are feeling this economic anxiety at this point as well. It's not as, um, it's not as uh, uh, what's the word, sharp and, um, you know, as uh, immediate as it is in, um, 
as it is for, for the poorer people, but they are feeling it too. And, and I think that's why these people are acting out in this way. There's also the fact that um, these middle-class people will feel like their social standing is being threatened by rising minorities. And, like, that's why they act out in this way, because, like, you, you might be like, well, you know, at least they're going to be, like, all right in the grand scheme of things. But the, the thing they feel like they're losing and the thing they feel like they're protecting by engaging um, in an insurrection, like, for a racist leader is that they're their racist social order will be preserved. Like, they do get something out of it, and that's something that, um, you know, even if they don't, un- like, they understand that, like, Trump is, like, you know, not actually going to bring the steel jobs back, mm. um, or, you know, that's not something they care about. All they care about is preserving white supremacy. Right. Well, that's a great note to end on. Thank you so much, Jim, for coming on the show. Um, so if anyone is listening and they kind of want to get an insight into what's going on in that brain of yours, where can they reach you? <laughs> Uh, you can reach me on um, Twitter. Um, I try to engage with people as much as I can there. So um, just follow me at the Jim Malo. You spell Malo M A L O. And um, yeah, I'll uh, like if you tweet at me, you'll respond to my tweet. I'll try to have a discussion with you if I can. So, yeah. Great. Thanks for coming on the show, Jim. Anytime. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Nominations are sought for the Darabin Community Awards for individuals and groups who have made an outstanding contribution to the Darabin community over the past year. We are delighted to announce two new categories, Cold Elder Community Leader of the Year and Cold Emerging Leader. Nominations close 11th of February 2021. For more information, contact the City of Darabin on 8470 8888. That's 8470 The City of Darabin is a 3CR supporter. And that is the end of our show. We want to thank Jim Malo for coming on the program. Um, You can listen back to this episode as a podcast on our 3CR page at www.3cr.org.au slash Diaspora Blues. We're also on Instagram at 3cr.diasporablues. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.